This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Shaw. As a practicing orthopedic surgeon who's performed hundreds of procedures on NFL players and as the former longtime head team physician for the San Diego Chargers, Dr. Chow uses his insider knowledge to decipher injuries to a documented 95% accuracy level. He's the Sirius XM sports medical analyst and is quoted everywhere from Sports Center to NFL Live. More than 100,000 followers can't be wrong. Following him on Twitter, looking for his instant insights on injuries during games. Now, Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Dog podcast. Post week 15, pre week 16, two regular season games left, and then lots and lots of playoff fun. Let's bring in our producer, uh, Greg Peterson. Greg, welcome to the show. Dr. Chow, always great to be on with you. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, lots of things to talk about. You know, the my favorite part about this week is week 16 coming up. What is it? No Thursday night football, but three games on Saturday. I do like that as well, because I think that with Thursday night football, we see a little bit of a diminished product. We've had a couple of good games so far this year. But when you have just like a six day layoff instead of like what have you for Thursday night football, it's actually going to give you a little bit of better results in general. Yeah, not just results, but I mean, I wish they would. I get respecting the college game and staying out of Saturdays, but. You could have done football this past Saturday. I mean, all there was was an Army-Navy game on, basically. Yeah. You know, you could do football next Saturday, too. But uh, instead of having uh, Week 17, 13 games at the 1 p.m. Eastern time slot. 13 games. I mean, (laughs) that's crazy. Anyways, uh, Week 15 almost in the books here. And uh, let's talk about a couple of things. I was surprised at how, I don't know, I guess I'm getting old, sentimental I was at it being the last game in Oakland. I've been there a bunch of times. It's not a stadium that I loved. Uh, I didn't mind, Greg. I didn't mind the black hole. I thought the characters were interesting and (laughs) they were good. And, you know, look, uh, they never threw anything at me or anything like that. So, I thought it was entertaining. I like the, f- I mean, we always thought that uh, we always counted the number of uh, kids with, uh, with the number one sign <laughs> as we were driving in on the bus. And that was always good sport. But a new stadium needed to happen there for lots of reasons. Forget the dirt, right? I mean, every September there'd be games in dirt. And yeah, an injury perspective, you don't, I mean, you're never looking down at, at if you're on dirt or on grass. and. It's, it's not like you can change cleats mid-play, uh, etc. And I've also seen it before. I've seen a fourth and one where all our offensive linemen's feet were on the dirt and the defensive linemen's feet were on the grass. There was no way we were making it. I mean, you're getting pushed. Uh, and if it were the other way, your feet are on the grass and, and someone else is on the dirt, you were getting pushed. I mean, if I were coaching, which I'm never going to, I literally would draw up a play, draw a place where you run the DB into the dirt and you're on grass and you make the cut as the wide receiver. There's no way the DB can stay with you uh, on the on the slippery dirt if you're making him change directions on it. But with that aside, I wanted to tell a story about one of my medical experiences in Oakland. I'm not whining about it. The locker rooms are small. They're terrible. 
the training room is the size of of a, of an average small child's bedroom. I mean, to get people in there taped and medically treated, it's it's not good. But the the home team locker room is really not any better. So it's not like the visitors are getting screwed or anything like that. Because it was an old school stadium, and with California had the oldest stadiums around. It was Oakland Candlestick for the 49ers and Qualcomm or Jack Murphy for the San Diego Chargers uh, because Californians didn't want to use public money. Those were the oldest stadiums in the league. Obviously, San Francisco got one done in San Jose and Oakland never got one done. And San Diego never got one done. And that's kind of why they lost their teams. But uh, that Oakland Coliseum was interesting. Besides, it's the only stadium where both teams have to enter and exit at the same spot. Both teams have to climb stairs to get to the locker room or descend stairs coming from the locker room. So we had a time once where right tackle, I've written about this. He's a good friend of mine. If you watch some of the periscopes, he makes a cameo now and again at my house on Monday or Thursdays. Uh, Vaughn Parker, right tackle for the San Diego Chargers. And he was actually the player rep at the time. But he breaks his ankle, and he's a big man. He's all of 330 or something like that. And the x-ray, the, the locker room's a, a flight and a half of stairs up. And the x-ray facility in Oakland is literally three flights of stairs up. I'm like, we're not getting him up three flights of stairs until we put him in a boot, cast him, or get him on crutches or something or other. So we said, all right, we're going to take a cart. So we take a cart. And uh, literally, we were near the uh, tunnel entrance near the Raider sideline. So we have to take a cart down the sideline, across the end zone with the black hole, down the charge sideline to the 50, out the back of the charge sideline, up a slight incline. And there's no exaggeration in this story. I've written about it. It's true. And halfway up the incline, it's the uh, uh, sideline attendant guy, myself, and Vaughn Parker in full charger uniform, and I'm in charger gear. And halfway up the ramp to get outside of the stadium to get to the same level as X-ray, uh, the cart stalls out. It's out of juice. So the guy puts the emergency brake on, puts us in park, and goes, hang on, I'll be right back. Good kid. Ran down the tunnel. <laughs> get another cart. Bring the cart up. We unload Vaughn over the other cart. We're on our way. And then I realized something. In order to get there, we have to go outside the stadium. So we're on the sidewalk on the outer ring outside the stadium, do to do to do, driving along to get all the way back to the other side of the stadium, the long way around the outside. We're among tailgaters, people that quite honestly either didn't want to or couldn't afford to, or didn't have a ticket, or just wanted to stay outside and, and get drunk. So kind of a rowdy crowd. I mean, we're kind of driving through the parking lot, Vaughn in full Chargers gear and, and whatever. And I'm, we both looked at each other and so oh, hopefully we'll be all right. And then we see a bunch of security guards, the private security guards with the windbreakers. And we're like, oh, well, we're good now. We're, we're you know, in case something happens. And it turns out, I guess they work in shifts. And there were about 40 security guards gathered up on the sidewalk waiting to turn in their, their windbreakers and get paid for the day. And they were blocking the sidewalk and we're honking away and they weren't moving. <laughs> and so we actually kind of went around them and made it all the way over there. But that's my 
one of my big memories of Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Great place, great fans. Sorry the team is leaving. Vegas, I'm sure, will be spectacular, but just figured I'd share a couple of little memories of Oakland before, uh, since it, since this week was the last home game, I guess, ever in Oakland. Then again, we and, said uh, that last year too, but this time I'm pretty sure it is actually the last. No, I think it is. It is the last. And, uh, I wouldn't have figured that they would have. I mean, Derek Carr is coming back to say hello and sign autographs, take pictures, and he got booed out of there. Boy, wow. I did not. I would not have expected that. I mean, uh, do do I think they love Derek Carr? Maybe not. But the guy's coming out to do you right as a fan, and you boot him out of there. Uh, that that was interesting. And I saw fans like trying to kick like the seats and everything like that, trying to take him on my souvenirs. I thought that was fascinating. I think everyone was so shocked that they lost the game that uh, it made it kind of calm. I mean, it could have been worse, right? I mean, that was uh, definitely, definitely uh, interesting there. Well, the other story I want to share before we bring on our special guest, um, special guest will be cool because I'm excited to talk to him. I think he's a funny guy. I love hearing his stuff, Cousin Sal, but but Greg, I don't really know him. I mean, so uh, uh, he was just nice enough. Uh, I. I met him at a Super Bowl, said hello, and and said, maybe, would you come on the podcast sometime? And he said, sure. So uh, very nice got nice of him, but I don't really know him, so I'm looking forward to that. But I wanted to share a little bit about the Patriots and some Patriot stories. Um, yeah, I mean, Spygate 2 or spying on the Bengals, did they have anything to do with it? Did they not? Uh, I'm not going to wade that deep into those waters. Uh, did they somehow, um, you know, uh, mess with the Kansas City Chiefs uniforms or gear the other week? You know, I'm not going to get into that. But I do, I will tell you this. Uh, it's the only stadium that I'm aware of that uh, coaches have swept the visiting locker room for bugs. I remember head coach of ours made a big point of saying, don't leave any papers out and uh, made our uh, equipment guys collect everything before we went out to pregame lockers and, and we left some security in there to make sure no one tampered with anything. And this is now everything's on an iPad, you know, and then, uh, or a surface or whatever. One coach that I know of that, that we were with, uh, banned, uh, the locker room attendants because they all live locally in the New England area, banned them from our locker room and said, we don't need them. We don't need their help. So uh, there certainly is some suspicion. But I will tell you this. This is my fun little story, Greg, and it's a true story. As you know, Seau was a pretty good friend of mine. We had fun together. We enjoyed each other's company. And, and quite honestly, got, better, got to be better friends from him after he left San Diego. So uh, he breaks his arm when he's with New England. And he's texting me saying, hey, I broke my arm. Can I fly home? And I'm like, yeah, but, and he wanted to talk, and, and I was like, can you wait till I finish my game? Literally, we were playing at the same time. And he goes, look, I, I just want to know, can I get on a plane and come see you? And uh, I said, sure. So he literally you know, had the splint on, hopped on a plane before the Patriots game was even over and started getting on a plane coming back to San Diego. And uh, I didn't find this that part out till, uh a couple of years later, but... Uh, because there were no flights and he just wanted to get out of there, he actually flew in a middle seat and coach. Uh, can you imagine sitting next to him? I mean, <laughs> uh, 
uh, not a lot of room there, but in any case, uh, took care of him. And the next season, I thought he was done with his career. Next season, I'm in surgery. I remember it was a Friday, and I come out of surgery, and he's texted me and called me a couple times. And the Patriots doctor has called me. And so I called Junior and said, what's up? He goes, I'm in New England. You got to call their doctor uh, so, so I can pass this physical. They're going to resign me. And this is in the spring. This is in the off season. It's like, okay, cool. No problem. So I call the doctor. Good guy. Nice guy. He knows what he's doing. He goes, what do you think about Junior? I'm like, I think he's fine. He goes, what do you think his arm's like? I said, well, I mean, I know he's surfing. I know he's working out. He's not, I know he's doing anything. And I said, well, what does his x-rays look like? He shot x-rays. He goes, it looks fine. He goes, well, what do you think his x-rays look like? I go, well, if you want to send me the ones you have, I'll look at them. But he hasn't come in to take follow-up x-rays, you know. <laughs> I mean, I see him around, and he's doing fine, but he doesn't want to come into the office. And he goes, oh, okay. And so the team doctor for the Patriots says to me, can you send me a note, a letter saying that he's okay? I'm like thinking – we do the same thing. Why do you need me to send a note, right? I mean, that sounds strange. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. He's a good doctor. He knows what he's doing. So uh, he can make the decisions. I said, well, if you think he's fine, he's fine. He goes, well, do me a favor. Send me a note. It's like, okay, you want a letter? He goes, he goes just send an email. It'll be fine. I said, like, okay. So being Greg, the little bit of a fun-loving guy, I was going to say <laughs> smart Alec, but fun-loving guy that I am, the Chargers – were slated that next season to play the Patriots in New England the second game of the season. So I sent an email to the team doctor saying, uh, in my opinion, Junior say I was fine and cleared to play in all games next season except for week two. Yeah. I sent an email. Eh, no big deal, right? I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. Forgot entirely about it. A couple months later, we're, this is when the beginning of some of the concussion awareness stuff. And there were some mandatory conferences for the doctors and athletic trainers to go to. So we flew to, there was one in DC, there was one in Chicago. I don't remember which one it was. We flew to that and uh, they had athletic trainer, the Patriots. I know him well, Jim Whalen, good man. And he sees me at the conference and he goes, Belichick saw your email. And I said, what email? I, I had no recollection of sending it, right? I did out of context. He goes, the one about Junior. I was like, oh, the one that I said, oh, he saw that? He goes, oh, yeah. And I said, what do you think? I said, did he laugh? And Jim goes, no. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was it. No big deal, right? No harm done. Then one day I'm breaking bread with Junior, maybe a month or two later, and I mentioned it to him, and I mentioned to him what I did. And he laughed, and he goes, and he kind of slaps the table and goes, that explains it. I said, explains what? He says, you know, I'm back at, at you know, minicamp, and we're stretching for the first workout. And he goes, Bill never comes out during the stretch period, but he comes out during the stretch period and walks straight up to me. I thought he was going to welcome me back or something. And he goes, the first thing he said to me was, and this is what Junior said. So true or not, this is what he said to me, right? He goes, Bill Kim said to him, quote, that asshole doctor is a friend of yours, isn't he? And, uh, and, uh, I'm sure he said it in fun. And Junior, I said, Junior, what'd you say to him? He goes, I told the truth. I said, coach, I don't know what you're talking about because I had never told Junior I did this on the email, <laughs> right? I mean, I just did it. And he goes, that's what he was referring to. I said, yeah. he goes, I said, so you disavowed knowledge of me? He goes, well, I don't know what they're talking about. I, I just told coach, coach, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, 
So that's a funny little anecdote. But let me tell you, and I'm not making accusations, but not get much gets past Coach Belichick, I guess is, is, is all I'm saying. I'm not saying he ordered anything or cheating. I'm not taking sides, but I'm saying uh, he's in control of everything in the organization. That I do believe, based on that anecdote. He's also the only coach, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, if a player gets hurt on the sidelines, and let's say you're near the opposing sideline, it's common courtesy if the other medical staff isn't nearby that you sort of step in momentarily until they can get there, right? And they get there, then you let it go. And I've had sometimes our own head coach come out onto the field and poke your head into what we're doing a little bit and see how this guy is. doesn't happen often, but it does happen. The only time that I've had an opposing head coach poke his head into looking over our shoulder and seeing what we're doing is Belichick. Uh, yes, the player went down somewhat close to the New England sideline, but it, was, it wasn't it was on the bench. It was clearly in the field of play. And I still remember our, our head athletic trainer, James Collins, who's been on this podcast before. He has that look where, you know, that stares through you kind of thing. I remember Belichick, you know, poking his head over the top, and, and, and he was giving well wishes, and maybe it was all genuine and getting glared at by the our athletic trainer, and then turning around. Um, you know, haters are going to say he was trying to find out about injuries. Lovers are going to say he was being a nice guy. Uh, what's the truth? I don't know. All I know is he's the only opposing head coach that I can recall that in 17 years stuck their head into the medical part of kind of what we were doing when we were on the field. Just, just an observation is all. Just an observation. All right. Uh, enough of... Uh, fun little stories and uh, reminiscing uh, today here. Let's uh, move on or take our break and uh, we'll bring you on Cousin Sal, part two of the Pro Football Dog Podcast next. This is the Pro Football Dog Podcast with Dr. David Schaff. All right. Welcome back to segment two of the Pro Football Dog Podcast. Our very special guest today is kind of like a family member I don't really know very well, uh, Cousin Sal. I know his work. Uh, he's everywhere. I know a lot of some people that he knows, et cetera, but I don't really know him. So uh, I'm very excited to uh, chat with him in person here. Cousin Sal, welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me, Doctor. You know, Simmons and I, we talk about you on the I guess the Lions podcast, and you've, you've really become larger than life in the football world, in the sports medicine world, if I may kiss your ass for a moment. I mean, I think, I honestly <laughs> think at this point, you can, uh, you can charge a copay to these athletes and their families who really check in with you first. I know this for a fact, before they even get their MRIs or, you know, whatever they have <laughs> in the store, but you, you do a nice job managing expectations. <laughs> well, you know, I've learned a lot about the Twitter social media world. I used to, in the beginning, say, oh, he tore his ACL and people would get mad at me. Now I'm like, by video, he appears to tear his ACL. I hope he's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then people get less mad at me, et cetera. But I will tell you a story. I had an agent tell me once that uh, they started following me because 
the player hadn't even seen the second opinion doctor that he's flying to, and he ended up being told exactly what I told him uh, off of wow. video. There was a family member, uh, since we're talking family here, relatives of a, I won't say who to blow his cover, but of an NFL quarterback who says he was in the doctor's office with the quarterback and reading my Twitter saying what he had and came out of the doctor's office with the diagnosis. So a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again is the bottom line. <laughs> well, let me say a couple of things. First of all, yes, I know that. And uh, it, you can make a quite lucrative career out of being wrong on the Internet. And I, I'm uh, living proof of that. But you, you go uh, a step further and you're actually accurate on your predictions. But I was thinking the other way in which a lot of these athletes probably do go into the doctor's office and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing on Twitter. And like, I wonder if other doctors hate you as a result. Do you sense that? <laughs> well, I, I know the other doctors around the league and the trainers. I think there's one or two that don't like me. But for the most part, oh, what they realize is I give the other side because here's the problem. Doctors get criticized all the time, right? Because uh, you get second guess because you can't say anything. You can't tell your side because of HIPAA laws and privacy. So, you know, right. the, the doctors in Washington in the Redskins are criticized, the Jets doctors, the Eagles doctors, you name it. All these doctors are criticized and they don't get the other side. So uh, what I try and do is is give all sides like, you know, this may be the possibility. And there are lots of times when people criticize coaches or team doctors and say they said he was going to play and he didn't play. So they don't know what they're doing. No, the doctor probably told the coach he's not going to play. And the right. coach, for his own coach speak reason, said, yeah, he might play. He's going to be okay. So they right. know the truth in the building and, and what's out there. Look, that's what creates the cottage industry for me, right? I mean, the, all the misdirection right. and the coach speak, that's kind exactly. of what makes it interesting. Well, we're excited to have me, but having those one or two team doctors that you know don't like you, that's, that's the podcast you need to go after next. That's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll or, or, you know, or you know who I would love to go after? You know, I don't know him or, or whatever is uh, is uh, Mike Zimmer. Last year, oh. when Xavier Rhodes went down, I wrote an article and I said, you know, it's obviously a hamstring and most hamstrings just a matter of time. How's it? How severe, et cetera. But the way that he went down the hamstring and most hamstrings just a matter of time. How severe, et cetera. This one, I said, I have some worry for a proximal hamstring. And if it's a proximal hamstring avulsion, it's the only kind that needs surgery and his season would be done. Let's hope for the best. I don't know. But, you know, that's kind of what I said. And there was no word after the game, tight-lipped everything. And then Monday morning, the press conference, and I wasn't even not there, but my phone started going off. And people started texting me and Twitter and shots fired. But Mike Zimmer opened up the press conference. The first question was, tell us about Xavier Rhodes. And his answer was, well, that TV doctor was wrong. Oh, wow. So, and I was like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of a Twitter guy. I'm not really on TV, but, you know, <laughs> but I was like, right. well, I mean, it's Jerry Jones approach, right? I mean, if they're not talking about you, it's not good. So, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's never perfect. Maybe he was talking about Dr. Phil. You never know with these guys. You never, you never know. But I will tell you, I have to admit, I have to say that I'm not a podcast listener because when I'm in my car, I'm on the phone calling people, patients, this, that, the other, and I, I don't really right. listen to podcasts. But when you and Bill, my Twitter timeline or whatever, lit up when you guys made a casual mention <laughs> this year about, about it. it. I really loved 
everything about it. I thought it was funny. I mean, I don't know Bill Simmons. I know I know you guys have an incredible podcast, and I know he's incredibly influential and popular as as are you. But I liked everything you guys said, except the only thing problem is the comparison to Quincy Emmy. Now I'm old enough to have watched the show when I was young. You got to get someone better than Jack Klugman, and then compare it to me. <laughs> Well, I have to say, I don't know. I, I can't think of, uh, maybe it's my limited TV knowledge, but I can't think of a bigger compliment than Quincy. I mean, he was always right. Uh, he made everyone else look foolish, and uh, he ruled the 70s. Uh, maybe maybe we need a little more updated example. You're right. But, yeah, Simmons and I, you're <laughs> one of the things that are good about Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously gathering information. As far as um, not listening to podcasts and talking to your patients on the phone more, well, I think you need to get your priorities in line. You know, these patients aren't going away. Podcast, who knows how long they'll be around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, you do so many different uh, things. But, uh, yeah, I appreciated the Quincy analogy. I'm not sure most podcast listeners have any idea who Jack Plugman <laughs> or Quincy Medical Examiner is, but they probably can Google it and absolutely. Uh, figure it out. But growing up as a, as a grade school, I used to love that show. I mean, so uh, I, I kind of uh, – really uh like the uh, uh analogy uh in terms of uh what's going on i was all in so, on klugman whether whether it was match game or quincy or the odd couple uh he was my guy you know there was there were only like six actors back then so you know he had a latch <laughs> on to a couple of them he was one of my guys the the odd couple was a little tiny bit before me so i didn't do <laughs> a lot with the odd couple but uh you, you know go. yeah you're right those sitcoms you know the the Brady Bunch reruns, Happy Days. I mean, <laughs> right? Uh, all that, all that uh, good stuff. All right. So uh, a couple of uh, current things. I, I love your unique and, and fun takes. So I've been asked about this a lot, and we talked about this in segment one. So I want to ask you: Give me your take on the Patriots Spygate two shenanigans and what have you. What's your take on all of that? Well, first of all, is it Spygate 2? I lost track. I thought we were up to four or five now with this. But uh, <laughs> I actually think, and I said this on the podcast last night, I think, you know, the, they're, look, they're, they go. I think winning is too easy for them. They need a challenge, and they need to cheat. And the idea when people say, oh, well, look, they got caught three times before. Do you, do you actually think they're going to risk it and do it again? You know, the, the, they'll be the scorn of the league. I was like, yes, yes, that's what cheaters do. That's what these evil minds do. That's what guys who have repeated felons, you know, if you have three armed robberies on your rap sheet and you're up for a fourth one, you're not really going to be able to use the excuse like, oh, do you really think he would commit a fourth crime? I guess that's exactly what the psyche is with the Patriots. And it works. Now, did they need it to beat the Bengals yesterday? I don't think they did. But this is this is a bad one. This is really you have them on tape talking about it, not necessarily Bill Belichick, we don't know if he ordered the code red, but it really looks bad if you're a Patriots right now. And the fact that they didn't fire the guy right away is amazing to me. So I'm curious, what do you what do you think about this? Well, Dr. Bella, before I look, I want Belichick to be my coach. The only reason you hate on him is he's not coaching your team. There's a thing in the NFL, if you if you if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You ask your offensive linemen, they're trying to hold a little bit here and there. And that's kind of what Belichick and the organization does. They they push the envelope. To their advantage. Now, do I think necessarily he's ordering the code red? No. Do I think Bill Belichick arranged to have 
the Kansas City Chiefs equipment and uniforms sent on somewhere else instead of unloaded. No, I don't. There'd be too many loose ends there. But because there is the culture there, uh, do I think there are some airport baggage handler tarmac guys that cheered to the couple beers that night when they left some stuff on the plane and let it ship off to another city? Yes, I think they do. I think they, you know, it's no different than in Philadelphia. The Eagles fans are are famous for pulling the fire alarm in the visiting team's hotel, right? I mean, right. it's ordered by the Eagles head coach. That just happens, and, and it's kind of uh, what happens. You're, you're trying to help your team. Do I think Tom Brady ordered or Bill Belichick uh, deflated balls? No. Uh, the, the the ball boy said, Tom, how do you like the balls? I like them, you know, as, as deflated as possible. The rules are 11.5. And then they go 11.4 and 11.3. And it's not like Tom Brady's involved in it. It just uh, – they're trying to pull the fire alarm, so to speak. And a lot of cities uh, do that. And uh, the Chiefs, like every team, have five equipment guys. And they get off the plane and they supervise the unloading. That's why you don't ship your stuff separately. It flies on the team plane. You go straight with the trucks to the stadium to unload your stuff so you can discover that everything's there. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just part of uh, uh, the uh, culture of pushing the line. But I don't think that Belichick's ordering the code red so to speak. I think it's straight. Well, I guess we're, we're different. I mean, I just, I don't believe that the 35 things you just listed are coincidences. So I don't, I don't know. Just, I, <laughs> I think that Brady tossing his phone in the Atlantic ocean when they try to investigate what was going on with the flake gate. I think that means something, things like that amount to stuff. And yes, maybe other teams are doing it, but the Patriots are so brazen the, the, the way they do it. And the fact that they're, winners and still need to do this and that the Bengals are involved. It's just, it's mind numbing to me. Yeah. But I think what you have to do, and I have to credit, I think it was Michael Strahan that said this. It wasn't me, but it wasn't necessarily about winning against the Patriots the next week. Uh, it might've been more about just getting information on Zach Taylor since he's a new head coach. Right. I mean, and, and for future dossier future for future encounters, because he's someone they don't have any, they don't have a quote book on yet. So who, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, a couple other questions that I want to ask you just for fun. And let's start out with a fun one here. Since you're on Lock It In with two friends of mine, people that I talk to that interview me regularly and do stuff, Clay Travis and Todd Furman. You're friends with those okay. guys? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> well, th- so my question's really easy. Clay Travis or Todd Furman? Well, if I have to, is this F Mary Kill? What what is it? Do I who do I like better? I don't know what what's what's the question. Uh, your who, question. Uh, who who's greater, Clay Travis or Todd Furman? Answer <laughs> how you want. Um, well, neither of them are great right now. You know, we compete to uh, have a better who wins more money each week on the show, and I am now uh, a ten-time champion, and Clay has won five times, and Furman who was last season's champion, is supposed to be the smart one, has only won once. So I can't attribute greatness to either one of those guys you mentioned. Um, I will say this. I do like them both much more than I thought I would. Furman, I really didn't know, but I had heard bad things about Clay. Maybe some things that would lead me to believe that I wouldn't get along with them. But I really do get along with both of them a great deal. And actually, they're coming out this week. We're shooting the whole week, well, the first three days, I think, uh, in studio together, which which is very rare over the last year and a few months. We've only done it a handful of times. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, greatness, you can't attribute greatness to either of them, but I do, I do enjoy them both. (laughs) 
Well, that's a good answer there. But uh, I thought coming from from you that I'd get a few more fireworks or something quotable that I could give either one of them a hard time. <laughs> All right, about. For, I like I like, for, I like Furman better. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, and, and in that realm, you're on with Simmons all the time and, and Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Compare and contrast Kimmel and Simmons. Uh, I will say there's a there's a lot of similarities. You know, Jimmy um, obviously has been my cousin for my whole life. Thank God for that. He, he got, I got my foot in the door because of him, Joe Bizwise, and I was a writer on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, the man show before that, Crank Anchors, Win Ben Stein's Money. But at Jimmy Kimmel Live, Jimmy loved Bill Simmons column, especially the ramblings where he would list pop culture tidbits and just comment on each one of them and flew Simmons in and I uh, made him a writer on the show. And, you know, we've become fast friends since we loved wrestling. We love football. We love gambling. We would guess the lines before they came out and we made a, a podcast out of it. And it's been a lot of fun. And both of them are just really, really hardworking guys. I mean, the work ethic, if you combine work ethic and talent, you almost can't miss in this business. I mean, even if it's not exactly what you want to do right away, you'll find some other variable of that. And uh, those guys have that. And that's why they've been successful for so many years. I would say Jimmy likes to uh, screw with people more than Simmons. So and uh, <laughs> I think uh, I have that, that trait, too. I, I think that must be a family thing. And I've done you know hundreds of hidden camera pranks on people through the show. And uh, I would say that's one of the few differences. But um, they're very... They're very influential and hardworking and talented, and uh, that's a nice mix in this business. All right. So uh, in uh, in the month of December, who did you screw with most and best? <laughs> the month of December? Um, well, or I had my Thursday, my th- the Thursday night Fox bits. I've been doing a pregame bit. It's uh, about a two-minute comedy bit on it, and then I give a, a pick at the end for the Thursday night game. Let's see. What did we do? We uh, Well, I dressed as Michael Strahan's teeth on Halloween. That's late October. Terrorized people at the Grove, which is a mall here in L.A. And there was a big gap where my head was uh, for Strahan's teeth. And people didn't know what to make of it. I also went to Oakland and read tweets from celebrities and to try to get under Raiders fan skin. And I went to a big uh, Raiders bar and was reading fake tweets that we generated such like, you know, talking about like uh, basically one from the Pope that said, well, I would pray for the Raiders, but there's really no praying for the Raiders and Raiders fans this year. And people were actually getting mad at the Pope and the, uh, what do you call it, the mayor of, of Oakland and, and, and Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, people who never tweeted anything about the Raiders. And you know how Twitter goes. All you have to do is see the uh, check mark and the script after it, and people were furious. So that was fun, and that aired on Fox. Those were probably the bigger ones I've done recently. Gotcha. Well, you know, the game, it was crazy that the that the Raiders ended up losing that final game there. Yeah. But in some ways, it might have been the best outcome because the security risk, you know, people coming on the field and celebrating a, a victory there. But it seemed like people were so shocked that they lost. Yes. There wasn't a lot of mayhem. Right. Can you, Are you able to look at the people, the fans in the black hole and diagnose them uh, mentally? Because that would be a challenge right there. They were... Um, they are really, well, <laughs> I know physically they, you're all over it, but I gave picks from the black hole and uh, I did like a minute long uh, thing. It was like a minute long bit, but they were actually attempting to pickpocket me while we were on TV. It was unbelievable. The lengths these people will go to, um, they really are, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever you're looking at is what you get with them. It's unbelievable. And they're moving with the team. So 
obviously not all the fans, but the ones you see in the black hole, they somehow have sponsorships and they are moving with the team to Vegas. They will be there every game. So they could throw batteries and give the middle finger to Gardner Minshew all they want, but don't worry, they'll be back next year. Well, I can back up uh, what Gardner Minshew said. One of the uh, bus games that we would always have when I was with the Chargers and we'd go up there, there would be games like uh, over under number of kids giving the number one sign. And, oh, uh, that's good. you know, all the takers were on over. No one ever said zero. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then, then that kind of got boring. And then we, then the game became uh, who can spot and nominate the youngest kid to uh, show the number one sign. And we had some two and three year olds. Oh, interesting. <laughs> would, uh, wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they start them young about, out there. They get, they get young kids with the, the face paint and uh, off they go <laughs> to Raider Nation. Yeah, it was, that was one of our uh, bus ride sports for every game day, you know, spotting the numbers nice. and how many uh, grade school kids would uh, would do that. We get a get a kick out of it. Well, look, uh, between all your gigs on uh, from Kimmel to Simmons and Fox and everything else and all the things you do. Thank you so much for taking some time. I, you know, I uh, promised you uh, 15 minutes here and I think we're at there and uh, uh, parting any uh, parting uh shots or thoughts or anything you want to promote or anything fun open mic time yeah no i mean you did a nice job mentioning it and plugging it lock it in 4 30 to 5 30 eastern on fs1 it's me it's rachel Benetta, it's clay travis it's todd Furman, and uh we have a good time on that so uh yeah watch and i think we're gonna you know we're going to the super bowl we'll do a week's worth of shows in miami and then we have a pregame show i believe uh slotted in there but I might be breaking news oh, well, right cool. now. Well, I can't tell. Well, I'm, I'm booking my flights to Miami now, so I, I somehow have fooled – I probably shouldn't say this publicly. Somehow I fooled the uh, NFL another year and got a Super Bowl credential. So oh, I'm there you go. All right. Down there, so. Well, hopefully I'll see you there, and we'll get a pomegranate juice together or something. Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, you feel like family now. Cousin Sal, thank you very much. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back for segment three. Pro Football Doc Podcast, where we'll do our injury run. More now with Dr. David Chow, the Pro Football Doc. All right, welcome back to the third and final segment of the Pro Football Doc Podcast. I enjoyed talking with Cousin Sal. Fun guy. Good in the, and at least he gave me a little bit to give Clay and Todd a little bit of good-natured grief. Yeah, he's a fun guy. I liked having him on, too. Yeah, and uh, so let's uh, move on to our injury rundown here. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, Quarterback-wise, Jameis Winston did fine with his thumb, chip fracture. What, 458 yards, four touchdowns? I mean, only one pick. Uh, he'll, he'll obviously be fine going forward. A couple of the hand issues, uh, Patrick Mahomes is fine with his hand. Jared Goff hit his hand. Aaron Rodgers might have mild sprain to his wrists, uh, a lot of hand injuries. Even there's a report Trubisky had a little hairline fracture or something in his next finger or something, but uh, played fine. So a lot of hand injuries and in quarterbacks, but they all seem to be fine. Daniel Jones, Eli Manning had that nice uh, victory. Everyone probably saw the, the video of him uh, saying, see you Wednesday. That, that definitely is a, was a motivating chant and cheer afterwards. But uh, I think that's his last game. I think Daniel Jones will be back this week. Matt Stafford could be back this week. We'll see. He wants to play. I'm sure the Lions will be cautious with him. 
but he he could be back. Running backs, uh, Damian Williams with the ribs. Uh, getting close. We'll see what happens. Getting close. Derrick Henry played well with the hamstring, but was in and out somewhat. And the Titans lost. And he'll be one week better. Um, they're still in playoff contention there. Bo Scarborough out with the ribs, but good chance to return next week. Jordan Howard out again with the shoulder this week. Still probably out next week. Dalvin Cook's the big one. This injury was a new injury to his left shoulder, unrelated to his right sternoclavicular joint. That's good and bad news. Good news because it's not an aggravation. Good news because the SC joint should be close to behind him by next week's big Monday night game against your Green Bay Packers, Greg. But Dalvin Cook should be able to play. I don't think that left shoulder injury is major by video, but we'll have to wait and see a little bit more information. On the uh, wide receiver front, let's talk about some hamstrings. Adam Thielen indeed did play this week, but as we talked about, not full reps. He only had seven snaps, four pass snaps, and he caught three balls for 27 yards. And then he was shut down as the, the Vikings were ahead. This is to be expected because there were two previous setbacks when Thielen came back, one in a game, one in practice. The last thing you want is another setback and for him to miss the Packers game. That's the last thing we all want, except maybe you would want the other, right, Greg? Yeah, I'd probably want the other. I would want him to be healthy for every game except for the one that he plays against the Packers. Just like my email, every game but one. Exactly. <laughs> Just like that email. In any case, yeah, you expected the Vikings to, to use him sparingly, and come the Packers, they'll use him a lot. So I think he'll be a full go next week. Uh, good to go, but as expected, not bad usage. I mean, there were four. he was in for four pass plays, and he got three balls thrown his way. Caught three balls. Other wide receiver hamstrings, Chris Godwin. I think he's going to go the way of, of Mike Evans. As we said last week, Mike Evans' hamstring likely to head to IR, and he is on IR now. Chris Godwin, I'm saying the same thing. He's likely to head into reserve, only two games left. You now have Mike Evans out with hamstring, Chris Godwin out with hamstring, and uh, Scott Miller, the other wide receiver, out with hamstring, all on the Bucks. Prashad Perriman had an hamstring earlier this year, so he's last man standing. So if you're in the fantasy championships, look to uh, Perriman or DFS, look to Perriman because Winston's going to have to. He's the only other of the original four wide receivers on the roster up. Cortland Sutton had a shoulder issue that he returned in the game from and is okay. Tyreek Hill had a concussion exam but did not have a concussion. Julian Edelman, knee and shoulder, was not himself. Had a couple drops, but give him another week. I think he'll be fine. Sanu's ankle is almost in the rearview mirror. Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson both played this week from concussions. So going forward, they should be fine. Will Fuller played a handful of catches, and uh, he should be one week better next week for the Texans. Nelson Aguilar did not. And the Eagles are still shorthanded. Alshon Jeffries had foot surgery. I mean, uh, Greg Ward, a practice squad guy. And uh, Greg, if you looked at our profootballdoc.com, it wasn't all me. We had some good help from Taylor and others. But as we analyzed the Redskins injuries and what the Eagles had, and he said, pay attention to Greg Ward. And he put up a few fantasy points, as did Miles Sanders. And uh, But uh, the Eagles still are going to be 
short wide receivers in their big matchup against the Cowboys, but hopefully he can play for that. Tight ends, uh, Noah Fant, foot injury, shoulder injury. He should be fine. He returned to the game. Jimmy Graham, wrist groin. I'm sure he's less than 100%, but he's fine moving forward. Some uh, offensive line issues. Lane Johnson, with the big game against the Cowboys, left high ankle sprain from before, has a chance to maybe come back. And the guard for the Chiefs, Wiley, injured his ankle, as did Shaq Mason, but I don't think they're major issues. A couple of defensive issues here. Javin Clowney did not play, did not travel to Carolina. But that, I think, was more for illness than for the core muscle. I mean, look, he got ruled out on Friday for the Sunday game. So he may have been feeling better by Sunday, but the team didn't want him on the plane flying out there infecting other players. So the worst thing that can happen is Clowney feels better for Sunday, but there's seven other guys now sick who sat next to him on the plane or something which is why the week before the Patriots took two planes because they had a seven or eight guys that were sick. And so Clowney stayed at home. And this, by the way, probably explains the controversy with Le'Veon Bell bowling the previous week. It's not surprising that he was healthy enough to bowl 251. He was just told to stay away because the Jets didn't want him infecting the rest of the team, although Bilal Powell still got the flu. But uh, bad optics, but medically it made sense. Ziggy Ansah also did not play due to a neck issue. Quandre Diggs, high ankle sprain. I think he may not come back for the Seahawks. But Bobby Wagner should be fine. His ankle injury is mild. Bobby Wagner should be fine for the big game this week. Quandre Diggs, I think you have to assume will miss time. Akeem Hicks made a good return for the Bears. But boy, he left the game three, four times writhing in pain with that elbow. That was an early season injury, and he went on injured reserve. I'm not sure why he's so sore, but boy, that's uh, that's quite the deal. Alex Okafor, our worries about a pec rupture seem to be coming true. So the Chiefs DN with five sacks on the season may be done for the season. Xavier Rhodes with a calf issue. I Unfortunately, I do not think he will play against the Packers next week. Dak McKinley left with a left shoulder injury. Denzel Ward with an ankle who should be fine. Josh Allen with a shoulder injury and should be fine. But uh, that kind of is uh, the rundown for uh, the injuries. Are we missing anybody here, uh, Greg, or anyone else you want to cover? Any questions here? Not really, because like four-fifths of the questions I saw asked you about the injury rundown was on Quandary Diggs, and you got him. Sounds good. Sounds good. That leaves us with the beast of the week here. This time of year, there's so many different guys that are playing through injuries and different things. I mean, uh, Edelman's a perennial example. He's a guy that probably is, should have missed time several times and what have you. The easy one is, I mean, it's one thing to play through a game with a broken thumb, Jameis Winston, but it's another to throw for 458 yards with a broken thumb and never be in doubt of missing any time. But Caroline or Chip or not, I mean, that's still pretty stellar. And maybe the beast is as much Bruce Arians for calling those plays as Jameis Winston. Uh, your quarterback has a thumb issue, and yet you sling the rock around and get 458 yards, back-to-back 450-yard games for him, the game where he broke his thumb in, in, in this game. so Without a lot of his wide receivers, too. Yeah, in the second half, without with just Perriman. Yeah, no, no, no question. So performance on the field through the uh, thumb injury. 
All right, guys, uh, check out profootballdoc.com. We have some new features, uh, quick hits that I think were pretty cool and uh, interesting uh, where uh, we uh, highlight some players and certain injuries and so forth. Uh, my teams, which for those of you who are in the fantasy finals, can take utilization of player search features and some of the, the fun uh, lineup cards and so forth. Take a look, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Thanks for following along. Uh, we'll continue along here throughout the rest of the season and off season with more Pro Football Podcast. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week.